Welcome to Chillin' with Chill Me, a podcast where I interview guests from all walks of life about what they're most passionate about. And I've never met someone more passionate about lipstick than Poppy King. Honestly, this woman is a force of nature. She started her own cosmetics company at the age of 19 and has created some of the most iconic lipstick colors and formulas this century. In this interview, amongst so many other things, we speak about beauty standards, her creative process, and the relaunch of her original lipsticks, The Seven Deadly Sins. Honestly, this isn't just an interview about makeup. I was super inspired after speaking to Poppy, and I really can't wait for you to hear this episode. So welcome to Chillin' with Chill Me, Poppy. I'm so happy that we finally made this happen. Me too. Really, really, really excited. There's not many, there's not many things that I get so excited about, but th- this one I'm very excited about. So I've heard you mention in numerous different interviews that you love lipstick not just because of how it makes you look physically, but because of the way it makes you feel. It's like putting on lipstick is a ritual that helps you harness some kind of superpower. Could you speak a little bit about your relationship with lipstick and how the obsession began? Sure. And that's right. I mean, for me, the reason why, you know, I'm not a makeup artist and I don't actually wear a lot of makeup and I don't consider lipstick makeup, you know, because when I was very little, like at seven, there were a few things going on for me. Uh, most most tragically and distinctively was my father um, was dying from cancer at a very, very young age. And so I really retreated into dress-ups as a way, you know, and into a fantasy and an imaginary world. And I, I really am... I really feel that I have never left it actually to tell you the truth um and I you know I was playing dress ups and this is sort of when I realized that lipstick was something that was very different to other cosmetics or accoutrement because the other stuff that I put on of my mum's the shoes the this the that yeah it made me sort of look different on the outside and sort of made me look more you know um like my you know something like somebody else and then when i put lipstick on for the first time i was absolutely blown away by the fact that it made me feel different on the inside none of the other dress ups made me feel different on the inside they certainly changed me on the outside but mm-hmm. lipstick it was just kind of like i like i i can really remember it like just kind of looking at it just thinking what is this feeling that this just gave me and of course obviously you know, obviously, many years later, you understand, oh, it's confidence, quote, unquote, you know what I mean? That's what that feeling was. It was like, my God, like, I feel strong now. Like, it wasn't like that I didn't felt pretty. I've never felt pretty, you know, like, kind of, it's like, I feel strong, like, kind of, wow, like, this tube didn't really change me, change my, me physically, but it changed my mind. And I guess kind of like, you know, I realized it was a mind altering substance, you know, um, and, and, um, and that fascination with the power of lipstick to connect a female and, you know, obviously these days, so many other people, so many, you know, fluid identification are also, you know, discovering that lipstick has this incredible power to really bring out something from inside you so instead of it being 
a product that you're putting on to aspire to be someone else, like an aspiration. It's actually a product that you put on that ignites your imagination, which is something from inside you versus going to something outside of you. So it's a paradox in a tube in so many ways. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because it's like how I feel when I put on lipstick is I'm, it's not, like you said, not changing anything about me, but it's like I'm able to project this part of my spirit out into the world. And also the colour. Do you think that, was it red, the first lipstick that you ever? Oh, it was oxblood red. My my mother, um, we grew, my mother is a, an independent fashion designer and my father was a psychiatrist. So it was a fairly wow. interesting <laughs> mix of kind of like Freudian, and that Freudian analysis discussion and fashion in my in my sort of early days. Um, so um, my and my mother travelled quite. We we didn't have money. You know, we're pretty bohemian. We didn't have money, but we did have a lot of creativity around us. And my mother, when she could, would travel to London and Paris. And she used to come back from London in the seventies with this brand called Bieber, which I don't know, um, which a lot of this new generation don't really know about, but it was an, ama- an amazing sort of hip brand, like the Rolling Stones used to hang out at the Bieber store in the seventies. It was like, it was a super cool brand. And my mother would come back with Bieber lipsticks and you couldn't get them in Australia at the time. And she came back with this ox blood color, like the darkest ox blood red. And that was one that I was playing dress. <laughs> Sweet. Of course, that's what you chose. <laughs> that's what I'm playing with, and you know, and I and I think it was a common. It was definitely look. You know, my father, being a Freudian analyst, will probably mm-hmm. tell you a million things about about you know the sort of it being you know, something very primitive because the colour was, you know, mm. dare I say, a real blood colour, you know, you could almost say menstrual, yeah. you know. It was a very, so there was something very, there was something very primitive and sophisticated at the same time and and it, that's the thing is it's, I kind of felt like I was sort of being joined into a sacred past and also being shown a glimpse into the future. You know, it really, like it really was a portal that changed my entire idea of, of what was possible as a female because as you've heard me say and I know you wanted to talk to me about it mm. you know at by that stage um so it's you know in it's 1979 you know obviously we didn't have the uh, iPads and smartphones <laughs> whether or not these phones are smart I you know mm. um, you know we didn't have any of that and so I, you know, I really turned as an, a kid in the seventies does to to reading, you know, for my entertainment, you know, and um, and I was reading of really fascinated as so many little girls, and I would also say little boys are with fairy tales at that age, and I was, you know, I was, and we didn't really have Disney was not so predominant in Australia, so I was reading like Grimm's fairy tales and 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 it was a very sad and very um was very disturbing because very, very quickly, uh, before I even read magazines or even thought of beauty standards or whatever, immediately I could see that I had features when I looked in the mirror that according to the fairy tales, some were like a princess, the big eyes and the big lips, 
Um, and some were like a witch because I also have a very strong nose, you know, and I had a very strong nose even at seven, you know, I had, I actually didn't look much different to how I look now. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, and as, and it was a very, very, it was, it really was a very hard thing to try to come to terms with that I had this face that was had both that that could have almost been a princess but wasn't because mm -hmm. of the same feature and what was I going to do about it and what was the world and it wasn't like I wasn't a little girl that was like so like I wasn't confident wasn't like I thought I don't care you know I'm beautiful as a I wasn't like that at all it was like oh my god like kind of I just missed out on being a princess. Like, at how? What am? What's going to happen to me? Mm -hmm. And I think, and and I think I saw this road of like you're either a witch, an outcast, or you're a princess, and you're accepted. And then when I put on red lipstick, it was like, hang on a minute, there's a third way. Like, that's not witch or princess. And I guess yeah. what I was identifying was kind of like the unconventional empowered female as yeah. a third way. I've heard you tell this story before and it resonated with me because as a kid, I feel like I too was somewhere in between this witch and a princess. You know, I also have quite a prominent nose. I had like a monobrow, you know, being hairy Italian. So obviously <laughs> I could see myself in the, in the witch and it was like, oh, maybe I'm, you know, one of the evil stepsisters from Cinderella. I think one of the names was Gabriella to be quite, uh, I think. <laughs> I think one it of was the too. Well, there was Arabella and Gabriella. I think you're right. Arabella yeah. and Gabriella maybe. And, you know, it was something I, I just I was transported back to little me thinking where do I fit you know I, I had um a cu uh, two cousins who were like these beautiful cheruby looking uh, kids and here I was um and I it, it I did struggle a bit with you know coming to terms with you know how how I looked I wasn't confident like you know maybe similar to you I didn't have that confidence but there was something about Still now, when I put on red lipstick, I don't know if it's because of, you know, having that a bit of that vintage face as well, but putting it on, it gave me this sense of, I don't, it just made me feel more like me. It, exactly. It kind of gives you a feeling that you don't, it's, it's kind of non-binary. Do you know what I mean? It gives you a feeling outside of two extremes. And there are a couple of things I want to say. I mean, first of all, you're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. Second of all, um, well, second of all, one of the things that I was going, one of the things that I was going to say is in the original Grimm's Cinderella, and, and I really hate, I was going to swear, I was going to say I effing hate it. I mean, there's a lot of things I hate Disney for. One yeah. of the things really effing hate Disney for is actually in the original Cinderella before it got Disneyfied the ugly stepsisters were beautiful on the outside they were ugly because of their personalities it was Disney that yep. did the heinous thing of making them quote unquote ugly on the outside like it's such a different message the message I mean the, the, look the Grimmer's message was not perfect they cut off their toes to try and get it you know, <laughs> I prefer that kind of thing to be honest you know I'm, I'm, it was macabre 
But changing that, but but it, the message of the Grimm's fairy tales was that, was that the ugliness in the stepsisters was not, in fact, their faces. It was their natures. And that's such a different message, number one. Yeah. So number two, what I was going to say is, you know, and obviously, you know, I don't live under a rock and even Australia in the 70s and 80s, you could have plastic surgery. You know, so once I reached a teenage or age, you know, I knew that if I, you know, that if I if I was bothered by it or if I did feel this very strange sense that I never knew what somebody was saying, like when someone was looking at me, were they seeing a witch or a princess? Like what were they seeing? The sense that I sort of didn't have a face, but I had an opinion. I felt like my I felt like I didn't have a face. I had an opinion, and it was sort of up to people's opinions as to where I was on that scale of witch or princess. And and I knew, you know, um, I mean, I wouldn't didn't have the money to have had to have my nose fixed, as they call it, which I just think is a an, an barbaric thing to say. Um, but um, and I've got no judgment on people that do make that decision. But for me. I realized that what had what I what had sort of grown in me along with the sort of insecurities of having this kind of unique face certainly in Australia girls didn't look like me um was a sense that beauty is also a human rights issue you know it wasn't just a vanity issue and there's for me there was something that felt counter to my human rights that I would feel I had to do something as extreme as have plastic surgery in order to fit into beauty. So it was so it was sort of more my human rights side that stopped me from making any decisions to change the authenticity of my face mm. and see if I could change my own relationship to my face. Um, and then when and then when I sort of became a teenager and that gets harder and harder because let me tell you teenage years are not are not easy when you don't fit in you know um, and uh, with the beauty standard and and then I started to realize just like what you said that kind of like I looked in I looked terrible when I sort of tried to to uh, mirror the fashion the teenage fashions of the day this is sort of late 80s uh, <laughs> Although strangely enough, now a lot of that stuff kind of suits me. But anyway, um, there, there's, there, there was like, but I actually, when I tried to, when I looked at sort of classic movies, kind of particularly of the 1940s, like that sort of felt like, that felt like, oh, okay, I don't, that's where I don't look strange is in that environment. So when I went looking for 1940s style lipsticks yeah. instead of, 19 late 80s lipsticks I couldn't find any and kind of like that was and as it really was only lipstick that made me feel like I wasn't a witch or a princess I was just myself um I decided I had to try and start my own company so I could have a lipstick that that didn't make me feel so uncomfortable in my skin so really I guess your your lipstick brand was was born out of you finding or just a self-acceptance really like this radical yeah the search, well, the, the search for the self-actualized woman you know kind of like some like someone who a woman who the, the idea of a female 
defined by her own terms and that's that's a different thing to confidence you know I mean like kind of because confidence I think you know especially is a word that gets you know people say oh you're so confident I'm I'm not I'm not so confident but I am confident that beauty is a much broader definition than what we're led to believe and that's what I'm confident in I love that and yeah, as females and actually males, because from such a young age, we're conditioned to believe that we have to fit into a box. You know, it's like you're either the good girl or the bad girl. It's become making, creating your own identity is something that's, you know, I think it's more celebrated now, but especially during the 80s and the 90s, you know, wasn't. There were certain standards and you were, I love how you were rebelling against that. Yeah, well, I think I think it was because, you know, um, as much as I didn't, you know, kind of didn't enjoy it being dragged around art galleries when I was like six and seven and eight, you know, there were many other things that I'd like to be doing. You know, thank God that I saw sort of, or so, you know, in the world of art, so many different ideas of being female versus in the world of magazines and television. Yeah. And so it made me realise that kind of like that we that what's shown in the model of advertising is not art and so I wanted to create a brand and um, that was based around art and not advertising and my first brand Poppy you know this is the one of the original seven deadly sins you can see um you know, there's no models or this or that, like kind of like it's it's like it's just always been kind of these are just old bits. You've and always had such amazing packaging and artwork with all yeah. of, with all of your brands. And um, I've never I've never ever used in my 30 year career in beauty and I've been in and out of so many different corporations and and you know various aspects from startup to big business I've never used any form of standardized female beauty to advertise my products never it's mm. only ever been around art and so it's because of all those art galleries that I saw it's almost like I wanted to hijack lipstick like I feel yeah. like a bit like, like the the hamburger <laughs> or the cat burger like I it's almost like I crawled into the cosmetic department grabbed lipstick and hijacked it and took it to the art world instead of leaving it in the beauty world I I really prefer this idea of you know using artwork oh sorry not using artwork using makeup or lipstick and your cam your face as a canvas and it being more about expression than trying to fit some standard mm. yeah I mean it's really it's it's very very strange I live in uh, the area called Nolita in Manhattan. So I've lived in New York for 20 years. I'm originally Australian. Mm -hmm. uh, I was brought here by the Estee Lauder Corporation. They relocated me here in 2002 for an internal role there that um, I did as a vice president for three years, but uh, was very clear, was not my natural habitat. So I left the Lauder Corporation but stayed in New York and started another lipstick brand called Lipstick Queen. Um, and in the, and what's, what are the area, so I've lived in the same area the whole time, no leisure. And it's really amazing to see that there's kind of a certain age group where all the girls look the same and they've all got sort of 90s jeans, white trainers, 
a black leather jacket, straight long, you know, they all look exactly the same. And it's this whole generation of, I've never seen any generation just look so uniform. And then the next generation just underneath them is just completely different where they all just look so, it's, it's, it's like a tale of, of two cities, you know, kind of like it's just amazing and you can really see that there is what really is happening in the world of beauty is a divide and it's a divide between the people who are really embracing their authenticity mm. and the divide between the people who are really black embracing a conformity and it's kind of and I don't have any judgment on no. that but you know I'm here to sort of like be able to show people that you can opt out of that you know and it's always been very it was very interesting very interesting for me when I first took on the role I was only 30 when I became that vice president at the Estee Lauder Corporation and part of my role was doing a lot of personal appearances in shopping malls all over America so I really got out of you know east coast west coast and got into sort of middle America and I, and it was really amazing to me how many women, when I was in shopping malls in places like Orange County, you know, places of like massive plastic surgery and fake tan, would come up? I mean, I was a little intimidated. I thought, God, what are, what are they going to make of me, this pale-looking, weird creature? And so many of them would come up to me and be so complimentary, like to say, I absolutely adore your look. And it was just it's so strange because they, there they are, you know, with all of the plastic surgery, all that kind of stuff. And what it made me understand is that so many women that opt for that conformity, they're not necessarily opting for it because they think it's more beautiful. It's just about they think they have to look more normal, yeah. you know. And then when they saw somebody like me who wasn't looking normal but equally wasn't looking hostile like a punk or, do you know what I mean, like wasn't like kind of like it, 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 to them it was just this, you know, really I think for so many of those women that I met, those three, I met thousands of women in middle America over those that those three years, I think it's just kind of, it was just this idea that they may not want to do what I've done but, but that you can opt out yeah. of that normality. That it was just like you can. I didn't know that, you know. Yeah. Um, I recently read an article of, um, it was Bella Hadid. And she, yep. she was saying how she regrets getting her her nose um, done because yeah, it's the nose of her ancestors. Yes, I, I saw that too. She said that, you know, she that was her ancestral and ancestral nose. And I, you know, and I think, I think a lot, there seems to be a lot of, a mm. uh, lot more, younger girls or celebrities that are starting to come forward and question some of the plastic surgery decisions they've made. Why are you really, really doing it? Is it coming from a place of, you know, I genuinely would like to change it or who, you know, are you changing parts of yourself to, you know, be accepted by others, like to feel? I think, I think it's, I think, you know, from, from, from what I understand, I think that it it's really is it's it really is about fitting in, you mm. know. Um, it's not even so much about beauty as it is about fitting in. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's a decision, and I also do think that it's a decision that 
it's a little bit can be a little bit of a slippery slope because once you make that decision to radically alter something suddenly radically altering something else doesn't seem like you know you've already you know you've already sort of like broken the egg to make the omelet so you may as well you know do more and I think I do think and I'm not saying this with glee I say this more with empathy I think as we watch the Housewives franchise and how they're just getting more and more and more and more and more plastic surgery mm. and, dare I say, looking worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I, I, I think that kind of there is going, I, I think that there is going to be a reckoning where people are going to start to see that plastic surgery is not the answer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's it's almost like the more that it's going the other way where people are kind of, you know, not really doing these things in moderation, it just becomes more and more extreme. The more I feel like I want to just rear away from it. The, yes. You know, like why not celebrate? I mean, I had this thing with my nose for a long time and I always wanted to get a nose ring and people said, oh, no, you can't because your nose is too big. And I was I got to a point where I'm like, I'm going to decorate it instead because I I love that it's like my grandparents' nose. I love that it's like my grandfather's nose. I look at statues, not comparing myself to a statue, but I look at statues statues and these people, these profiles, interesting profiles. And I I find beauty, I find interesting features about people beautiful. So why would I change myself? Exactly. And, 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 you know, and that's, and that's exactly the same, you know, with me. And I know that, that it's, it's one of the last areas, having a strong nose as a female is one of the last still taboos. Like if you look at, if you look at that um, uh, Barbie movie, you can see that on a political correctness level they had every kind of barbie they had a barbie in a wheelchair they had a barbie who was fat that they didn't have a barbie with a big nose you know Mm. like still it's still something that kind of like is still because of that witch construct it it really isn't still something that is still a taboo but i have to tell you that kind of like you know it's i I I really don't I I really don't regret it you know and it's that I haven't that I didn't change it even though it would have been easier on a lot of levels because it just would have made me more conventionally attractive and that's easier but it's 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 what it's it's what it's brought about in my own ability to look beyond the illusion of beauty and understand that for me Mm. beauty is only beautiful when there's truth and not when there's falseness and so you know for me truth is beauty and beauty is truth and you know the lipstick you know my whole lipstick career and my every single lipstick brand you know because I've had three now the first one was poppy in australia and then that got bought by lauder when i moved here to work for them and then when i left lauder i started lipstick queen and then that got sold to another 
bigger company in 2011 and I consulted to it for a while until I couldn't handle those guys either. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the pandemic happened and now I'm launching Poppy King, you know, um, so going back and I've gone back to my Australian factory and the very original formulas and it's all just coming out and doing very well. Um, and, um, and, you know, and the thing is, is kind of like my, the, it's just what I've always wanted to do and what my lipstick has always represented is the idea of lipstick not as a um, not so much as a, a beauty product but as a, as the sort of the gateway to the soul you know if people say the eyes are the windows to the soul your lips are the gateway to your soul because it's what comes through them you know oh, there are so many I have so many questions <laughs> but um with your first brand because like it is not something you hear every day that an 18 year old has their own business you know how did that all come about well it really came about kind of like a like a Nancy Drew story you know kind of like it really so you know I was um uh finishing up high school I didn't pay much attention to high school so it was a shock when it was finishing <laughs> it's already over I didn't even <laughs> doing it. <laughs> like I did the bare minimum um you know I really didn't pay that much attention to the curriculum at all I was totally obsessed with night I was a real 80s nightclub kid um you know well before it was legal for me to go <laughs> into nightclubs you know so so school was just this interruption sort of between between the weekends when when me and my naughty bandit of girlfriends were <laughs> sneaking into all the nightclubs in Melbourne and um and so um you know when it finished um I kind of was quite really lost I said as I didn't really know what I wanted to do you know it had vague ideas of being an architect but kind of reading the fountainhead was not an was was not Mm. was not actually qualification for being for getting (laughs) surprise surprise just having read the fountainhead didn't mean I could get into architecture um you know the fountainhead being the famous story about an architect um so um I, I sort of found myself really lost, you know, and I and how it happened was really just a series of kind of like a mystery novel is that I, I started looking for matte, you know, these lipsticks because matte lipsticks and I couldn't find any. And I kept on asking and asking, you know, behind the counters, you know, do you have matte lipstick? And the people, the the people, the sales, usually saleswomen behind the counter would say, no, you know, we don't have matte lipstick. They'd show me shiny things or whatever. And then um, I, and I, and I didn't initially in any way, shape or form consider myself to doing it, you know, where did I think? Um, and then one day, uh, one day I asked somebody and they said, oh, look, if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me for a matte lipstick, I'd be rich. And that was when I kind of realised what you would now say is a gap in the market. Yeah. Um, and then I really, and that was when I sort of switched from being sort of like somebody searching for something for somebody ser- then to somebody searching for how could it be done and so I started to search for how could I get a matte lipstick made and 
I found, you know, over time, I found all the pieces. I actually managed to find a factory and it's the factory I'm working with again. Oh, wow. Uh, Did yes. you find them in the yellow pages? Is that the one you found in the uh, yellow yep, pages? Yep, in the yellow pages. <laughs> I found, I, and I found it, you know, I found it was, all, you know, then I put together sort of what was needed. I mean, I I found and I started getting advice on what was what what I would need to get the business off the ground from people that I knew who were in small business. You know, my mum's friend had a food shop and this one had a, this shop and da, 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 da. you know, so I started to get a little bit of the vernacular of small business. Mm -hmm. And then I um, started to look for ways in which I could apply for grants or whatever to get my matte lipsticks made. Um, and in apply and and in looking for all this information, I ended up finding myself an investor, and the first seven lipsticks came out in 1992. So it really was a process of taking one small. It wasn't like one. It was like one small action after another small action after another small action yeah. um, that kind of led to this really big, unusual um kind of occurrence and I think you know it's amazing that like one thing like really the whole year 12 the whole last year of my high school and I wasn't I wasn't doing drugs and anything I wasn't that I, I was naughty but not that kind of naughty it was I was yeah. more precocious you know I just didn't listen I just couldn't be bothered listening to to the curriculum better things to think about <laughs> and, and but I did but one thing really stood out and it kind of pretty much is what sort of gave me the roadmap and it was just one thing I remember we were doing a subject in in English in the last in my last year at high school and the teacher was teaching something called media studies you know and this is 89 so obviously media studies are different and told and taught the class this that there was a famous adage about news about what makes news right mm -hmm. and it goes like this if a dog bites a man excuse the, the patriarchal language, if a dog bites a man, that's not news. But if a man bites a dog, that's news, mm. right? So it, immediately, so, so, so it immediately gave me an understanding of exactly what you said, mm. that kind of I would be a man biting a dog, so to speak, be so unique for me to come out of nowhere and start a lipstick company and maybe that could be news and guess what? it turned into news <laughs> amazing and what's the creative process like for you I mean has it changed over the years and what, not at all no. what's <laughs> how do you get your inspiration not in the least I'm still exactly it's it really comes from it it usually starts with with words or theories or concepts like um for example, uh, I'm trying to think of a really, for example, medieval. So one of my most um, uh, iconic lipstick queen lipsticks was one called Medieval, which was, um, and that came from, where it comes from is I will get really interested in how I translate a period of time into a lipstick and what that means. So through the word you know, and through the time. And with um with medieval, so many women when I was out there, you know, in Barneys at the time and um Bendels and stuff like that selling, starting to sell lipstick cream and saying, Oh, I can't wear red lipstick, you know, I'm too scared mm. to wear red lipstick, whatever. 
So I started to think about a time when women, when wearing red lipstick was taboo, and that was the medieval times. There's, um, it was very taboo. It was only kind of actresses and prostitutes, which were almost considered one yeah. of the same thing at that point, um, uh, that that wore red lipstick. So what the sort of more upper classes or more respectable women would do is squeeze lemon on their lips and that would sting their lips red, but it wouldn't look like they were wearing red lipstick. Yeah. And so I recreated what that look is and called that medieval. So the it, it comes through, I know that that's a sort of convoluted way of saying, my ideas for lipsticks, they will come through either... A, a, a like through a theory it's like I take a theory and then how does that theory turn into lipstick like this one for example was oxymoron because yeah. it was a matte, it was a matte gloss because it 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 looked it was matte and then it went on like a gloss so it's oxymoron like it's oxymoronic and the name is minor crisis you know so yeah. it, it, it it's almost like that they are intellectual theories that are then turned into colour and shade and texture. That is so cool. It's like you start off with this concept and then the world just expands from there because when you say medieval, so many things come to mind. Exactly. Um, that's so cool. And I I mean, when I first moved to London, I remember um, Space NK was yep. like this kind of, I guess it's like a mecca here. Yeah. Um, this treasure trove of, this tre treasure cave of, makeup wonders but your lipsticks were always kind of front and center and the packaging I was just like this is so cool and I just stay for like hours not hours but you know yeah. I'd be on, on a jog and I'd stop off at, at Space NK and try them on and you had I mean one of your most famous lipstick queen products the frog prince the frog prince exactly I've and never seen I feel like you were probably the first to make these kind of shade shifting lipsticks I've never seen them before. I mean, to to in full disclosure, they had been done in the eighties, but they were horrible. Like it, they were, they were, they sort of went this horrible jelly bean kind of color. Like they were, that they, they were really like no one had done them. No one, and dare I say, no one's done them since. Or um, had been able to do them in a really chic way, where kind yeah. of like, where everything about it. The sort of it was was magical. The name, the idea, the color that it transformed to, and frog prince came from that saying that you have to kiss a lot of frogs to find a prince, you know. And so I thought, how do I? I want to translate that saying into a lipstick. So I thought, okay, a green lipstick that turns like a a rose, like like the idea of romance, you know, that turns from sort of like the green of a frog to to the romance and. Um, Dare I say it, um, I have uh, since, I mean, I, I, and, you know, and then I also did something called Hello Sailor, which was a sheer yes. navy medieval, you know, um, the, no one really has been able to do that since, which is part of the reason why I'm going back into the lipstick business, because I do have a new transformer coming in February. Ooh. It might be one that we've already talked about. We might it might already have its name. Shall Ooh. we say? I'm so excited. I'm actually coming to Australia in February. So I'm gonna be well, like, it'll be in on. February. It, it'll be and it'll be in the US as well. So um but it's um it's it's it starts one very unusual colour and turns another mm. colour. 
um, and it's wonderful. It's the most amazing color. It's when when I was wearing it, just sort of test wearing it, you know, around New York a couple of months ago, like kind of, I was like, God, this is so weird. People just kept staring at my, like, I mean, I'm used to people looking at my lipstick, whatever, but, yeah. but it's because it's such an unusual, it transforms into such an unusual shade and finish that people just kind of I could see people like trying to compute like what is that is that a gloss she's wearing or a lipstick or like what yeah. it's it's really amazing and we've already said the name it's all um it's already been embedded in this conversation so let's see if you can guess <laughs> Ooh, I'm so excited um it's funny um speaking of the power of of red lips when I was because I was I was signed quite young. Um, label would often have opinions on what or what you couldn't wear. And I used to have to, I would say, I really want to wear the red lipstick. There would always be this big, no, you can't wear red lipstick. No, you can't wear red lipstick. So when I, you know, finally parted ways with my label and I was able to take things into my own, own hands, lipstick was the first thing that I turned to and, um, it's it, it gave me it, it was part of me reclaiming my auto, autonomy yes um, and uh, your shades I know you had like a sinner and saint vibes I think yeah. I like the sinner ones the matte that were they the matte yep. ones yeah the, the sinner and the sinner and saint concept so it was 10 shades mm. but in two different strengths the sinners were the full strength matte and then the saints were the same color but they were the sheer version of it so if you had saint red it was the sheer red if you had red sinner it was the matte red yeah uh, i love a matte lipstick and i've seen that because you're relaunching oh poppy the seven um lipsticks yeah. that you originally came out with um there's one what's the new shade called that you just released original sin was my first new shade so yeah. which is what i'm wearing so original sin is a matte red but it with a metallic snake skin finish so mm. it's got this kind of unusual sort of golden snake yeah. skin but matte finish and so it's kind of the idea of the apple in the garden of eden and the snake combining and, and that's the color apple with snake so it's um so it and it's so universal it looks amazing and and now so that's available um on my instagram which is at poppy king lipstick um the link is in the bio um it's exclusive and to uh to my website to poppyking.com um, and then I've started to one by one re-release. Um, it's like an, it's like I'm re-releasing, you know, tracks in an album, but re-releasing um, yeah. all the seven deadly sins. And the first one that just came out is Indolence. That's and it. Then, yep, which is a sort of dusty pink. And then every month, this is Indolence. And then every like month, I'm going to love that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, every month yeah. a new seven deadly sin on the seventh of every month and a new scene will be dropping until all seven are out oh, and, the, so and the whole collection will be back and each one's got its own collectible card as well I'm working with different art female artists on every card so original sin um that that was is a painting of an, an artist friend of mine who did of Winona Ryder I, lo I love the idea that uh, I've cast Winona Ryder as Eve in the modern Garden of Eden, so yeah. that's Winona Ryder. Um, you'll see with Indolence there's a different 
I've got one artist who's going to do all seven indolence card, um, seven deadly sins cards. Then I've got another artist who's doing the next, this first new transformer. So it's all I'm I'm using all artists um, each time, collaborating with a different artist to come up with the um, with the collectible cards. I don't want to put lipsticks in a box. I mean. They're just such a waste. What's the point of a lipstick box? You just rip it open and throw it away. I'd That's much true. rather have something that you can keep as an artwork, use as a bookmark, a poster. Do you know what I mean? Then have a box. So each one comes with it's like it's it's like baseball cards for for, for chicks. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, your artwork is so beautiful. And the way you talk about coming up with col um, colors and your concepts is such is also it really relates to songwriting. Yes, thank you. It feels a bit like that. Thank you. I really, really appreciate you saying that. It really, it it feels a bit like that. It's like, it's the each one of them. I do feel like it's it it's an entire kind of um. There's so much prose prose in my mind mm -hmm. around every single one of my colors. I don't necessarily share it because I don't want to bore people, but in my mind it is, it's a whole song. I mean, with indolence, I've got something on the back of that card where it says um, uh, indolence is not lazy. Mm -hmm. It's just a dusty pink turned hazy. You see, <laughs> you need to release a book of, a book of poetry and even yeah. like, original sin you know playing with the idea oh you've got it lipstick poem well, the lipstick poem songs of lipstick and experience it's something I've been just doodling around with myself <laughs> love it and even the um the the idea of um original sin and playing around with Eve and the and the snake and you know it's such a playful idea to be like recasting it yes recasting yeah, recasting because I think what did I say in it here it said um uh there was something where I said on the card yeah curiosity is no sin so I'm sort of I'm, I'm questioning the whole thing I'm not convinced that Eve wanted to stay in Eden I have a feeling that she knew exactly what she was doing and she wanted to get the hell out of that arrangement with Adam <laughs> that's <Yeah>. my theory <laughs> I love that. And um, even like the whole idea of the snake, you know, the snake being yes. seen as something that's evil. But if you watch it, the snake does amazing things. It sheds its skin. It's like this kind of symbol of transformation. And like we should embrace these. We need to. I just like I, I like where you where you've went with all these concepts. Well, thank you. I'm always, I'm always and actually you can see in the back. I also during the pandemic I started sculpting in lipstick and painting in lipstick. That's all. Once Barney's closed, mm -hmm. I had a lot of inventory, and I decided instead of trying to sell it that I would turn it into art. So I've been doing paintings and sculptures and everything in lipstick as well. So at a certain point, I'm hoping to put on a little show of that. Too. So you really are, you know, you you all these other um kind of brand founders, makeup brand founders, they're, you know, they dabble in all kinds of things, but you have always stayed true to lipstick in every possible way. And I think that's why throughout all the iterations of of Poppy and all the things you've done, there's always been, you know, it's always been quality and there's you can just your love for lipstick is so um contagious and um, thank you yeah your your products are beautiful 
Well, thank you. And, you know, I'm here to be the thinking woman's lipstick so that you don't have to feel like uh, you don't have to feel demeaned by doing something that actually should be empowering. Mm. Okay, so before we wrap it up, um, I've absolutely loved chatting with you. I heard that you can read people's lips and I've got an obsession with anything. Like I love astrology. I love human design or anything that tells me more about myself. Um, <laughs> we all do. We all, we all do. We all do. Yeah, we all do. Um, what helps me get to know myself more? But I've heard that you can read lips. Is this, is this true? Absolutely. And when I, I mean, and what, and what, what I mean is when I read lips, it's not, it's not really sort of about predicting future or mm. anything like that. It's not so much a mystical thing. It's come about from 30 years of, you know, women coming to me to talk about their lips, like, you know, what yeah. suits them, what the, and so I've obviously looked at a lot of lips and over the years, I've really noticed how there are certain way there are certain elements to a lip that really seem to match people's um personality so yeah. if I were to read and I and, and if I were to read your lips right so and it's not about the size or the shape or it's yeah. more about how that how it's more about how you hold your lips there's a lot about what you're holding on the inside mm. and you you I mean your your lips go straight up at the edges which means that you are always looking for the positive you know like you're not some like you are somebody who has a great belief in what's possible mm -hmm. they do hold back a little bit which means that there's a little bit of a um, of a struggle of an internal struggle for you between that absolute commitment to what's possible and some internal doubts yeah. that are um that are that are also um at play with that but you are absolutely someone who is always going to try something you're more afraid of not trying than you are of failing and that's something really special that is so that is true that is definitely true it's amazing how how you can do that after I guess all these years of interacting all with people and 30 years of looking at, at, at people's lips and getting a sense of where it fits in their personality yeah so just before also before we wrap it up where can people find you where's the best place to find to connect with you the best place to connect with me is is my lip, uh, my Instagram. That's at Poppy King Lipstick, mm -hmm. um, the blue tick, so you know that you're with with the right one. And on my website, poppyking.com, all my products are available, uh, will be available in both those portals. And um, you know, you can DM me there. I'm I am, you know, an, a unicorn in the sense that I am a genuine small business in beauty. So please people be patient. I do get back to you. It might take me a little bit, but I do get back to everyone. And there is so much more to come, you know, in a year where we're about to have um the Willy Wonka movie. Well, um, you know, the, think of me as the as the lipstick Willy Wonka. There's a lot coming from the chocolate factory. <laughs> I love that. So we have the lipstick queen, the lipstick Willy Wonka, the queen of rebirth and invention, <laughs> Poppy King, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank, you Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lots of love to all your listeners and viewers or, and, and everyone who, uh, who tuned in.
Thanks so much for tuning in to Chillin' with Chill Me. As always, I've included all the links in the show notes below, and I would love to know who you would like me to interview next. So leave a review or DM me on Instagram with any feedback. Sending lots of love and see you next time.